Please note, this episode contains some strong language. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Well, this is a podcast and a half and we've not even started. <laughs> I like how you said to me before I hit record, like, I don't think I've got any say, and I'm like, well, I was like, desperately <laughs> trying to hit record, like, we've just said so many things, like, hit record. Julie Wilson Nimmo, thank you so much for being on the Brawn the Brave. Thank you so much for asking me, and I'm genuinely going to say this from the start. I sort of found you on Instagram before I knew you. You're getting embarrassed, and I don't care. And it was your poems, it was your wee poems, your wee poems, I don't mean that to, to make them sound like they're not amazing they are but I just was like oh my god I love her and I just used to look you impress them and I just loved it all through lockdown so there you go and then I found out that the podcast and I was like give me this so you're amazing I'm, it's an absolute honor to come on that is, is so kind so here's my very first impression of you oh I'm in the Tron and I think it's my first Christmas show, so I'm choreographing the wee show upstairs, and I can hear some people in the green room. You know, I'm the newbie, I'm the new guy, I'm feeling all the imposter vibes, all of that, and you literally stopped your conversation and went, hiya doll, as if you'd always known me. (laughs) And I was like, oh my word, that's like, well, that's Julie Wilson, and you've just made me feel so welcome and so thank you for that and that's just my first impression of you it's just been such a warm welcoming person oh thank you but that's the rule so isn't it you know that yourself like you're in that green room and you know we're obviously sharing that space and stuff and apart from it being nosy that's just the rules for me it's like you know it's not just our room say hi and stuff like that and I'm obsessed with the the wee show um at the Tron as well so anybody that's anything to do that I'm like I want to say hello to them hello but definitely but then you were the exact same you're just so smiley and chatty and do you know what I mean it's like that's nice then god I was getting nervous here god what did I say to you at the Tron It's all good. It's all positive. No, and you know, and obviously being totally aware of your career, and I've seen you perform live, and I've seen you on the telly, and the the fact that we're having this conversation, you know, totally fangirling. But you know, thank you so much for being so kind to me and saying all those lovely things because I'm like, but you're Julie Wilson Nimmo, but I know you're just a normal person who's just doing a job that they love. But it is, it's a huge deal, and it's a huge honour for you to be on this podcast and also to say such lovely things. And and, you know, you just come across as such a genuine person. Oh, that's nice. That's good. That's all you can want. That's all you can want. And um, we've got two boys and um, talking about all different things now. And, and one of my boys, he wouldn't mind me saying this, Benny, he, at the beginning of lockdown, was starting to do like a, a music course and it wasn't quite happening for him and stuff. And I just remember sitting on the bedroom going, do you know what, Benny, if you can be a good person in this life, that's more important than anything else. You'll find your thing. And, you know, Chevy, my younger one, he seems to have, he's only 16, he sort of knows. And I'm like, he's like, but even Chevy knows what he wants to do. And I'm like, listen, this is the rules. And my husband, Greg, was laughing at me. See if he can be a good person at a party. 
your mum's happy and your dad's happy too because that's how I was brought up, Lisa. It's like, be a good person. And and that's great that, that people are getting aware of this, especially after lockdown. And I'm sad that it took lockdown for people to sort of connect and stuff. But for me, that's all I'm interested in. And, and when I'm working in a company or I'm working on a set or anything, it's just look after folk and be nice to each other. It's not that hard. And actually, it's so good for your soul. Do you know what I mean? Everybody wins. Do you know what I mean? It's nice to be nice. But yeah, sometimes I think people get so caught up in their own thing that they maybe don't realise like how they are acting outwardly you know and it is just like when you are so especially if you're in the middle of a production now you know there's so much going on you could just very much be all up in your head and just be like well I'm dealing with all these things and I'm thinking you know and I'm thinking about home life and you know I've got kids and but yeah just to take that time and just be kind to people and just reach out and, and not not forget that. Yeah, don't don't forget it, and don't get me wrong. Like my nana, um, my mum's lived in Perth, and my nana Connie was very um, <laughs> outspoken. I remember coming home from a play one day and was crying. A woman in it just didn't like me, and I was. She was like, "What are you crying for?" And I was like, "I just can't. I can't crack her. She doesn't like me." And she was like, "Jules, some folk aren't going to like you, <laughs> right?" And that's their problem. She's missing out, and you need to just toughen up a wee bit. If you're going to be in this business, you're going to you're going to be in a room sometimes and somebody won't like it. And actually, it kind of made me stop and go, fair dues. And I'm all right with that now because, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, now and again, I go, oh, I wonder why that, that's not happening. But I just let it go a lot quicker because I go, fair enough, if I'm not your cup of tea, then that's fine. But you have missed out because I'm pretty loyal and I'm a good pal and, you know, you just have to go up well. That was just a wee, we just didn't quite, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The nice thing in our job is it's never really that long, is it? Like, <laughs> If you're in a show with Stinkaroo, then you go, Aquil. Ah, well. <laughs> you don't come and ruin my house for a cup of tea, you're lost. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, but I really admire that. And I guess that's something that you need to do, like self preservation in the industry that you're in as well. Because I'm from talking from a, a perspective of being a people pleaser you know my sister is like you overuse exclamation marks that's a sign of being a people pleaser like, yeah, I just want everybody to like me but yeah you're right like not everybody will do you know what I mean yeah. and whether they show that outwardly or not is another thing but yeah you have to like have that self-preservation to be in an industry where things are ever evolving changing you're with different groups you're walking in you're the new guy like every yeah. other month or whatever um yeah so what drew you to that life then Oh, gosh. Um, I was actually thinking about this this morning going, why did this all start? I think genuinely, without sounding cheesy, it's always been there. I mean, I've been, like, performing in East Kilbride where I grew up, uh, East Kilbride Rep, since I was, like, five, four or five. Wow. I know, and I begged my mum to take me because there was a wee hut behind my granny's house in the village in East Kilbride, and we used to go by, and I could hear them all singing and dancing at Christmas, and she lifted me up to kick in the window and it was like kids my age and they were all laughing and doing stuff and even the smell of the place, I can still smell it it's a sweet kind of manky hut that we used to practice in and I said to my nana, can you find out what that is and she was like, I'll go and ask my nana, it was so funny and she was like, what's happening here and they said, oh this is the, the kids we rehearsing for the pantomime over at the East Coast Theatre and she can join up and that was it I was addicted and before that it was watching, um, again, cheesy, um, musicals on the telly. And I thought that was real life. I remember, like, walking down the street after watching The Wizard of Oz and going, why is nobody singing? When did the folk in the shop start doing a dance routine? Like, my mum had to go, that's not real. This is what this is. And I was like, 
is that a job? <laughs> do you know what I mean? You put a costume on and do a voice and then people watch that. Like that was it. That was it. And me and my, I'm the youngest of four sisters and um, they all went and joined the rep kind of at the same time and they all dropped out one by one and I was still there till I was about 17. <laughs> loved it. I loved the buzz. I loved being in amongst everybody, all the different age groups, all the different, you know, like characters that are in the Amdram Christmas show, you can imagine. This one woman was like that, you're singing from here, and I was like that, I'm 10. Do you know what I mean? It's all that kind of stuff. But I remember all of that. And then um, just that whole feeling of, and then lucky enough, I auditioned for Annie. I used to drag my mum to all these open auditions that used to have in the Evening Times newspaper. And they'd be like, the sound of music, I never got in that. But I got in Annie one year, um, and it was just like one of the highlights of my life. Lisa, I was on the Kings for two weeks with two different casts of the orphans, and I was in heaven. I was absolute in heaven. I played um, July, who sort of got to batter somebody, which was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I remember that. the thrill of it, everything about it. Like, oh, honestly, I was absolutely bereft when it finished. I think I cried for about two weeks when it's over. I couldn't quite understand why that wasn't going on forever and why that wasn't my full life. I was a flower girl once. My mum said I was inconsolable. I just like a show. She was like, yeah. you were actually inconsolable. I'm like, yeah, I don't like the, the show to finish. I like the party to finish. <laughs> it's the anticlimax. It's the build-up. I mean, even now, like, they all laugh at me, the Tron, um, my friends, Jordan McKnight and, and Darren Brownlee in particular. Every time we have a drink after, I'm in the corner crying and it's not because I'm drunk. I'm like, I'm going to miss you. And they're like, Josh, you can see us anytime. And I'm like, but you know what I mean? If you don't get this back and when you get older like me, I'm 49, you know, it's just, and they're just like, you're not old, shut up. But I know what it means. It means so much to me now because I go, you won't get that group of people together again. I'm quite like that when we're filming as well. It's like I look around the room and without being the annoying person in the room, I go, that guy may not come back next year and that guy's already with Channel 4 and that guy's gone. And I go, oh, I just love the company. <laughs> That's basically. I totally get it. I absolutely understand. And that's important, I think, like to keep that that essence of it. Like from your age five, that's how you felt about this. You yeah. wanted to live and breathe it. You should still feel like that. You should still yeah. be as passionate about it and enjoy the present moment and be in it. And it's not about the big show. It's about the people and, you know, being in that room and creating something together. Like that's pure magic. That doesn't happen yeah. everywhere else. It doesn't. And it upsets me when I don't feel like that. I, I, I feel my instinct goes, oh, no, I don't feel like it in this one. And it panics me because I go, oh, God, it's not that I'm not nervous. I just feel something's like, and then it's probably just, you make me tweaks along the way and go, oh, I can feel that wee buzz now. I mean, it doesn't need to be in a big theatre. We did a tour that I loved a couple of years ago um, with Glasgow Live, and it was all around community halls. And it, honestly, it's one of my favourite jobs ever. Like, we're in, we did a show in a basketball hall once, and it was just the folk that came to it. Like, honest to God, I could do that tomorrow for the rest of my life and be happy, like, sometimes we're talking through it and all that and some folk were getting freaked out and I loved it the last you knows what she's doing and all that and like that kind of matter on yourself hen and just all of that kind of this is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I to always say about doing the care homes I'm like I, literally let me do this all the time do you know yes. what I mean? because the banter is just off the scale like we did a full routine like half an hour I think we were on for it and then somebody just went are they no away yet <laughs> Yes, love it. It makes you check yourself and go, oh, do you know what I mean? It's like 
there's something brilliant about that. And uh, I genuinely, genuinely, I got asked to do a pants about what was going away, and I genuinely would have done it. And, and I remember Mary Binney that asked me to do it and lovely Julie Brown. And I was like gutted because we were moving away for a wee while. And I was like, I actually feel like putting it on hold. <laughs> I'd love to have gone out and do it. So I really hope they ask me again if they're listening to this because I would jump at it. I would, honestly, I was so happy when I was doing it. It was just brilliant. Well, I think there's something about that, like taking theatre into communities. I mean, what you were talking about, you know, Amdram and stuff, like I'm still very much in the Amdram world and I know the importance and that the families that are, are built there, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. families of friends, like you really curate the people that you want to be around and, you know, the social aspect of that is so important to so many and, and how much they've missed it in the last you know, oh, know. months. So then taking theatre and performance out into the community and, and making it accessible because still in this day and age, a lot of people will still feel like theatre is not for them. I know. And I feel really passionate about it. Probably the same as you. Like when we were doing tours and when I first started doing jobs with Random Accomplice, we were taking a play, um, it was called Double Nugget, up to places like Banff and stuff like that. And we're talking to people in the community after. And still, what's that about six years ago? nobody's doing it and it comes down to funding and stuff and I'm thinking that's what I learned as one of my first jobs out of drama school with tag back of the van the costume and everything we're all doing it all together and we went to Sky and Mull and all these amazing places and we had the time of our lives but the show was bloody good do you know what I mean it's not like you're taking a shite thing to them you're taking good stuff and it's so appreciated and you're thinking why aren't we doing that enough like I have spoken about it before at the National Theatre. I'm like, we need to be doing it more. And I know that it's all to do with planning and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's like, I do feel so passionate about it because I'm like, when we were in school in East Kilbride, when we used to get theatre coming to our school a lot. I mean, we didn't even have a drama class really then. And people would come and do stuff in the gym hall. And you could see, like, even, like, the Neddy guys, like, getting their minds blown, do you know what I mean? And going, exactly. These guys haven't even been to the theatre or a panel even. They're sitting watching a short version of Macbeth. And the actors were off the scale brilliant, do you know what I mean? And it's right in front of them. And you're going, they'll remember that for the rest of their life. Yeah, that could be a real pivotal moment for somebody. Yeah, who's not getting access to theatre. And just to be like, wait a minute, like, there's a whole other world out there. Yeah, I, I really fight about that still, and I still am going to go, and, come on, we need to be doing that more and more, and I don't know why, and don't get me wrong, it's lovely to be on a big scale tour, and you're in big fancy theatres and all that, but there's still not enough of the touring out the van for me, genuinely, and I do say that about some of the younger ones coming through, and you know, they walk straight onto a set and all that, and they're like, I just want to do telly and film, and I'm like... You're that money, you're missing. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to want to be able to do a specific thing and, and you put all your efforts into that and you know and I really admire that but as somebody who's a bit of a jack of all trades and can he sit down for two minutes yeah I, I, you know why wouldn't you want to try all these things why wouldn't you want to do telly why wouldn't you want to do theatre why wouldn't you want to do community theatre yeah. you know I, I think because you hone so many different skills the skill set that you must have over the years of doing all of that work you know what I mean like and people will not even realise probably how extensive the the amount of work is that you've done, do you know what I mean? All these projects and things that you've been involved in, that then allows you to have this massive toolkit of experiences and skills. It makes you grow up as well, and it's not their fault, don't get me wrong, and, and loads of the younger ones coming out now, they, they do it's so much telly and film, especially in the lockdown. I mean, people are getting, which is brilliant, getting to audition for things that would normally be all theatre actors, they get to go on camera and do stuff, and that bit of the movement's great, but for me it's like, 
you would come out and get a job with TAG, a wildcat, a borderline, and you learned the craft there and then, and also as well, you learned the place and the pecking order right away, you're way down here. And it's good for you because, you know, you have to learn to be in, in, in a company and there's probably somebody annoying playing nine instruments out of a bag and you're like, oh my God, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you have to just learn to go, right, he's still playing the banana. When are we doing this kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go on tour them and you get steaming in the pub and you're like, this guy's magic. He's just really nervous, like the rest of us. This is he's just taking his nerves out of his brand, do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's actually a top class guy. <laughs> and by the end you get saying bye to him. But all of that, they can't really teach you that at college, all of that. Mm-hmm. I look back in photos and honestly I was showing gig a few weeks ago of when we were in tour and we went to Orkney with Tag. And honestly, it was just one of the best experiences of my life. It was just, and I wish that for the younger lot. I go, please let them get that again. I really, really hope that they get that again. Do you know what I mean? It's like character building stuff. Do you know what I mean? Even like still to this day, my dance troupe, you know, will turn up to a gig and they'll be like, what is this today? And I'm like, I remember once and it was like a, a, a soft fruits convention. I'm like, who knew? Who knew? Do you know what I mean? Things you learn and then you turn up and you're getting changed in a field and all that. You're like, geez, oh man. But I'm like, this makes for a good story after the fact. Like, we'd be complete, we wouldn't have any to talk about if we were, you know, fancy dressing room, all the lights and all that are in the mirror. It, it is, it's character building it, you know, and you've just got to be that adaptable person who goes, right, this is what it is. Yeah. They, these are the people and this is the situation, right? How are we going to make it work? Yeah. And, and don't be the moan, don't be, you know, I mean, and you learn stuff, I learned on that tour in particular, there was somebody in the cast that came in and just said they were tired all the time, and I remember going away from the job and going, she's really nice, but she keeps saying it all the time, and also, if you've got a hangover, don't tell anybody, just get over your job, shut your mouth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you learn that for life, and even at the Tron, a few times, working with some younger folk, and you just go, I don't like her, I'm going to say, I mean, stop telling me tired all the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe likes that because see the crew, they've been here like four hours before you. Yeah. It's so important, like how you conduct yourself. I think, like, so that's what that kind of brings us full circle back to my compliment of you. Do you know what I mean? Because that's exactly how you are. You were just like this welcoming person. It didn't matter who I was. You were just like, you've come into the room and I'm going to say hey, and I'm going to speak to you as if I've, I've known you my whole life. People don't remember what you said or what you did. It's that famous quote, is how yeah. you made them feel. Oh, that's good. I'm really happy because I'll tell you right now, Lisa, it's backfired before that came <laughs> A lot of the time we'll be doing shows, especially at Christmas, and you know, there's some kind of artsy, fartsy play in, and then Dan will go that, oh, backfired, and I'll be like, hiya, how you doing? And all that, they're totally on point, thanks. Totally, all you could hear is them poking their microwave meal. <laughs> track, like, the tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah, but sort of again. There you go. Well, he did be clearly like when that's the end of that. Don't care. But you're like be you. Like you have to just be you and be, be comfortable you. in your skin. Do you know what I mean like? And you've done yeah. it long enough to know what works and what doesn't. Do you know what I mean you're like I'm not going to make apologies for who I'm like. No. Yeah, and ninety nine percent of the time. Even if people don't react the way that you would want them to in the moment, it's like that lasting impression. Do you know what I mean? It's like first impressions, last impressions. And yeah. in terms of like, you know, so you've obviously mentioned that you, you did go on to study. Was that a, a decision that your family wholly supported, seeing as they were the ones that introduced you to the East Bride Amdram scene? I feel a wee bit bad saying this, but I can't lie. My mum was 100% behind me because I took a year out when I left fifth year and I knew I wanted to go to the academy. 
which was called at the time, um, and new actors there who I really admired and had worked with. And I hadn't felt the London pool yet, and to be honest, it wasn't an option for us money-wise. So I thought, if it's going to be Scotland, and I heard about Queen Margaret and stuff, and I've got great friends that went there, but for me, Lisa, it was always the Academy, because it was at Scottish Youth Theatre at the time, um, and so that connection came up, and I just went, do you know what, that's where I would really like to try and get in. And my mum was behind me and I paid for lessons to um, a lovely woman called Linda. I'm going to forget her second name now. Oh, this is bad. It'll come back to me. But she lived in, um, she was a teacher and she lived in Rutherglen. And I used to go down every Saturday morning with my 20 quid or whatever it was. It was a lot of the time. And she went through speeches with me. And a lovely friend called Carol McMillan had set me up with her and went, don't do it blind, Jules. It's really specific what they want. And that was the best tip I ever got because she was quite strict, but also she went, these are the speeches and we're going to work on them for so many weeks and we'll do this and this and then you pick this and we'll do it. And I came back and showed my mum. I was a bit embarrassed to show my dad, I think. And my dad's lovely. I adore my dad. But he was very much, even the day I got in, what's your plan B? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, one of the happiest days when I found out I got in and I was like, Dad, I'm not even there yet. He's like, how long's the course? And I was like, three years. I always do my dad like that, Lisa. And I was like, you know, it's, you know, I'm going to try to sort of sell it to him. But it's, it's quite hard to get in and all that without sounding big-headed. I couldn't believe that I got in. And um, he was just anxious, anxious, anxious. And then he came to see the first show and then he sort of relaxed a wee bit and stuff and was like, he loves that building. He still goes to see um, shows there and off his own back with my mum and stuff. He, he loves it. But he was, I think he was shitting it for me because nobody in my family had done that, apart from my granny who used to be a dancer. My sisters, um, one's a nurse, the other one's a teacher. She went to Glasgow Uni. And my other sister, Jo's a PA. So they'll hate me saying that, but if you like the sort of normal jobs, they're all got creative outlets. But for me, he was kind of going... Well, that was your hobby. You've done that. Uh-huh. What do you mean you're going to college? Yeah, and no, it's just out of love, of course. Do you know I mean, it's not necessarily underestimating you and your ability. It's just like if you're not in that world, you don't really know anybody else does it. It does seem like it. Like, and yeah, I mean, I, I remember not that long ago, people going, he's still doing the, the dancing eye. And I'm like, aye, you get enough money, aye, you, you, you do all right. And yeah, ah, like it's a job. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard because, like, it sounds terrible, but even now, honestly, Sometimes I still don't get it. My sisters get it, but especially, like, my mum and dad get it and stuff, but my dad will say weird things like, you know, especially if I've worked with somebody well-known or something like that, and they'll go, how come you weren't up for that part? And it's like Kelly McDonald in Line of Duty. <laughs> dad, Kelly's a big, massive star, and she's got an American agent in there. But, uh, you'd have been really good at that, and I'm like that. No, you would have. That's the thing, like your dad's not wrong. Went full circle, Lisa, to the point where he thinks that's what I should be doing. So to go from where's your plan B to, you know, now, and there's been times where I've went up there. I don't do it as much now when I've got really close to a job and it's not worked out and I've broke my heart and I've stopped doing it the older I get because my dad can't handle it. He can't, my mum's very good, like we'll go for a walk, she'll say it wasn't meant to be or whatever, talk me through it because otherwise it's always Greg that gets it, my husband. But I know now, like, I can't even tell my dad if it's something that I've maybe got near. He's ready to go on the phone to them. Like, how come you've not took my lassie? And it's lovely. It's endearing, like, do you know what I mean? You, you know, people in your life, like, they're just rooting for you. Yeah. You know, and they, they do it in their own ways. Yeah, totally. And it's like, but weirdly, he, he comes to see stuff. He, he really loves the theatre, but they've came along for years. Like, you know, Balamori, for example, 
uh, me and Greg had Benny and he was only seven months so our first child when we shot that and I couldn't have shot that without my mum and dad coming to Mull like physically coming with me and being like my nanny and, and, and my helper if you like because you know they thought that was making me both but we couldn't do anything else because Greg was filming Still Game at the time. And I remember when I went to my final audition, my, my now friend and director, Brian Jameson, was like, well, what are you going to do with your kids? And I went, what's it got to do with you? <laughs> I got all of that. And he went, well, I'm just worried because it was between me and someone else and she didn't have kids, so they didn't have that to worry about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've thought about it all. You don't need to worry about it. And I had me. And I was like, oh, my God, because most of the time it'd be here and we'd be able to swing it. And this was the first time the both of us were so busy. And, you know, I've got my mum and dad to thank for that forever. And they came and, you know, they've got such a bond with, with Benny and Chevy now. But they were so part of the crew and all my friends on that now because we ended up shooting it for four years in the end. And so that was really lovely. And my dad actually coming to set and having lunch and then watching us shoot and stuff like that, that was brilliant. Action speaks loud in words, do you know what I mean? The fact that they did that for you, do you know what I mean? Like they knew oh, how important yeah. it was for you to do that job and, and it's yeah, we'll just make it we'll just make it work. And I guess that's probably your attitude in a lot of things working in this industry. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll just make it work. And your your personal life will have evolved over the years, you know, leaving college and going, right, okay, I'm in this industry now, I'm working to now like where you are now and you've got two boys, you know, it's like there must be so many situations where you've had to you've been at a crossroads and you've went right, if I take that, that means we're going to have to do this and you're going to need to be there and so-and-so's going to need to How has that kind of juggling act been for you? Horrible. <laughs> no, not all the time. It's funny, Lisa, there's about two jobs that I genuinely now look back and went, shouldn't have done that. You kind of are older and wiser, like, you know, being 49 going, wouldn't do that now. Like one job in particular, I had to leave the boys on holiday with Greg and my entire family in Mallorca to go back and start a play. Like now, but like that, Oh, I'm in Mallorca, leave me alone. And at the time, it was like, this chances came up, and you know, all that crap in your age, it's going to do And I was like, ah, like so pulled to the point where I cried at the airport, nearly left twice before I got on the plane, and just putting yourself through that. And it could easily have worked if I'd went, do you know what? If you need me to do it, you're going to need to wait a week. And I wasn't like that at the time, whereas now I'm not, not like I'm some diva, but I go, that's not worth putting yourself through that pain it's not worth it's just not worth it and plays can be amazing but without ruining it for anyone they don't really change your life like they don't don't change your life as in at the time when you're younger I mean enjoy it grab these opportunities but also check in with yourself you know I was listening to you talk to Kirsten and she didn't go to that wedding and my heart went out to her because I go oh god I really wish she went to Australia (laughs) but you don't know when you're in the moment and you live and learn like now I would feel really strong going I'm not leaving Greg and the boys this and by the way they're 20 and 16 now so it shifts because they still need you but something did tell me and probably the same with Kirsten that I was going probably shouldn't do this I should stick my heels in a bit and I didn't because I'm like I'm too nice and I'm going that doesn't get you anywhere and I think maybe now women in the industry aren't so crap I'm definitely getting better at piping up and going listen I'd love to do this and I'm so grateful for the opportunity but is there any way blah blah do you know what I mean yeah she won't mind me talking about my my, my close friend Jean McCary um Isa from Still Game because some folk don't know I don't know how they went but We've got two boys and that grew up at the same, sort of same time and we would have these conversations phone up and she'd tell me and I'd go, oh, I'm so happy for you and then she'd start crying down the phone and go, here we go, how are we going to make this work? And we'd all say, I'll help you this bit and 
it was always that for years and years and years. And then we still talk about it now and go, well, that one was worth it. Or that yeah. one was worth it. Do you know what I mean? But we, even now, she even had it a few weeks ago. Bless her. She got an amazing opportunity. And she was like, Jules, I can't do it. And I was like, calm down. Breathe. Tell me how long it is. What it, blah, 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 blah. And we write, I will say, write it down. <laughs> write down the pros and the cons. You know, just ask me to give you a day. Don't be rushed. Take your time. And it's all of that. And I can't lie. It's getting a bit better, genuinely, for the younger lot coming through that I've got kids, especially, you know, a lot like the National Theatre and stuff. There's places with creches, but nine times out of ten, it's still a bit shite. You know what I mean? Unless you pipe up um, a, a lot of time in filming, weirdly, you'll get cast on a Friday. Somebody's usually dropped out. You'll get cast on a Friday and you're starting the next week. And, and I got asked to go for a big job this year, and it would have really changed the, the life for me, Greg, and the boys. And it tore me up for about a day, and then I went for a swim. And I went, I'm just going to phone them back and say, take me out now. I was going down to London. It was all very exciting. And I get caught up, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And then I just looked at Greg, and I went, I won't be in a bed with you for a year. I mean, I would. It's a bit dramatic. It was a big play. But it was a year contract. And that never comes along for me. And I'm like, why can't this be in five years' time? And do you know what, Lisa? It would have made me sick. And so in that moment, I'm stronger because I go, I can't not be with you. Never mind Greg and the two boys. Then I seen my dog. <laughs> I mean, that face, Funny. that face, that would make you stay. Absolutely. <laughs> the dog's sick, right? She's my baby girl. And I looked at her and I went, no. And I went, as much as that opportunity is so exciting and I pray that it would come up for me again and I put that out there and if it does, it comes up again. But... I felt so comfy, like that's me changed. Like before I'd have went down in addition and then I maybe would have got it and then I would have been sick in the train coming home going, ah! and I thought, I'm not going to put them through the drama because the right person will get that job. And she did and she's cracking. But I'm going, that landed on my door for 40 seconds, whereas that's landed on the girl's door who got it, who lives quite near London, so that's a good job for her. Do you know what I mean? So that made me go, God, I've changed a wee bit. Yeah, that takes a lot of strength, though, not to just go back into that mode of like, oh, it's dead exciting and, you know, it's all glittery and it sounds amazing in it. And there would be aspects of it. There would be amazing, but there would be a lot of aspects of like heartache and and missing people and like you were saying, rearranging your life. And yeah, and like your life's a whole thing. It's not just the work. Yeah, and I think maybe like in my certainly my younger years, I was just like so like you know blinkers on, just looking at that. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're building a whole life, and you do have a family and your friends, and you have your swimming and things that you like. You have your dog; these are all important. Do you know what I mean? And it's just trying to build a life that's fulfilling and not just one thing and everyone else goes to pot. And it is, and it is, and I was saying to Greg, you know, we're lucky because we're comfy with our roof over our heads and all that. If it was a situation where I had no choice, I'd have been on the train and be going, and I'm so thankful for that. But at the same time, you go, this now affects so many people, what I do. Even if Greg gets asked to do something, he, he's wanting to direct more and stuff, but if he gets asked to go, he really sits down and I watch him and go, he's strong because he doesn't just jump. And I think as performers, it's against our nature to say no to the work because we're grafters and we're in there and we're so flattered all the time. And you go, yeah, we're flattered, but at the end of the day, I'm sitting in a flat in London eating a pot and I <laughs> I've done it before. Do you know what I mean? And Thank I, you for this opportunity. <laughs> see, at the end of the day, but that's, that was my point about being a, a working mum in particular. When I, say I got it, right? Say I was lucky enough to get it. I'm in that 
rehearsal room in the Monday morning, Lisa. You know yourself, nobody's interested if I've been crying in the toilet about my wings because Chevy's went, why aren't you here or whatever it is? Or, you know, God forbid somebody in my family got sick and I'm like that to the stage manager, can I get away earlier? I don't mean it to be cruel, but they're not interested because suddenly you're in a show that's moving forward and that wheel has to keep going and, you know, they kind of look at you like, well, why didn't you flag this up before? So I kind of feel you have to take responsibility and there was just too much against it. Do you know what I mean? When I did make the list and I did for about five minutes and I was like, oh, this is going too much the wrong way. Yeah, and a lot of people listening to this will it'll absolutely resonate and it'll, hopefully it'll give somebody that kind of almost permission to go, do you know what? It's all right if I say no. Yeah, and I, and I will happily take the consequences of whatever that looks like. But like you're saying, obviously being in a privileged position, you know, you to have the choice to say yes or no yeah. is lovely. Yeah, yeah, and that's not everybody's reality necessarily. But you have to also do: is this good for my mental health? Is this good for my family? Is you know all these decisions that have to be made around that because it is a massive commitment to move away and be on yeah. a job like that for a long period of time. Yeah, it's not like oh, I'm only doing it for three weeks or whatever we can cope for three weeks you know that's that's a different scenario do you know what I mean but along your career thus far have there been particular jobs where you weren't sure about taking them took them and then it was like the best thing ever or vice versa I've been so lucky right without sounding cheese-oided but I have been so lucky like loads of them there's one job in particular that I took and I knew I just knew and I knew we did, we did do this sort of naff photo shoot before it. And one of my friends that was in with me was like, squirming in the corner. And then I ended up talking to her. She was nearly bolting out the door. And I was like, it'll be fine. We're going to do this, this, and this, and this. And actually, she turned out, she really enjoyed it. But right, I can't lie, Lisa, right up to the last minute, I felt dirty. I was just like, this isn't me. I just, it just, for me, there's just something about it. It was just not right. Just didn't sit right. Mm-hmm. with me and ended up like I, I made the best of it because I had a laugh with everybody that was in it and all the rest of it and it didn't last that long and we got to nice places but that's rare for me I, that was a mistake but again you live and learn and you mm-hmm. go and I just feel a bit bad because I go if somebody took that job over me I think she would have liked it better it just wasn't my kind of way of working and stuff it's all a bit slapdash a bit scary and a bit you know and I think I've been spoiled because I've worked at the Tron nearly six years in the panto with people that I love and I'm really close with and they're so brilliant at their jobs mm-hmm. and then you go into sort of I hate to say the word knockoff but it was a version of that but yet other things the money goes on I go oh man and this is where I sound like a total knock but the craft just wasn't there there's no craft it's all slapdash and we do this and stop asking questions because you just stand there and I'm like that what? You're a creative. You want to be in that process. You want to be part of it. You want to feel like you've had, you know, your thumbprints on that piece, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? And I think certainly like the Tron's panto is such a legacy. Like, uh, you know, you mentioned the Tron panto and everybody's like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Oh my God, have you seen it? You need to see it. Like everybody raves about it because it is that. It's like the top-notch performers. Everybody's on their game uh, yeah, and just, I mean, working in the Tron, like the vibe, uh, I just always have an amazing time at the Tron. I just feel yeah. as if it's such an inclusive, creative place where, yeah, everybody's on their A-game, for want of a better phrase. Uh, but, but it is, and like, I, I feel that imposter syndrome a wee bit in there because, you know, over the years, Johnny McKnight and Kenny Miller have used, like, I mean, even auditioning for people this year, you want to see them, like, oh my God, they can sing, they can dance, they can they can do everything and I'm not the best singer, but I'm like, I'm character singing. 
But Ross Brown's there writing and, and doing all this and just guiding you. And they, like, hold your hand through it and they help you. And you look around and we're all in each other's scenes helping. And honest to God, it's, like, totally addictive being in that company. Um, I swear, I don't think I've ever seen anybody coming in and not loving it and brought into the hub and just going, wow, even if you only do one of these, you'll never forget it. It's just... It's just so special. I'm actually getting emotional thinking about it because we were asked to do the show this year. I just presumed it'd be up the stairs, Lisa, and it's in the main house. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm scared I'm just going to go on and start crying when I see the wee grannies in the front row. I'm obsessed with the grannies when they come and they talk and, and the wee school kids. like They they make it for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even, even the kids that come that are like 15 and 16 and they're like, oh. And then by the end of it, they're laughing or they're on their mobile. And I'm like, I'm going to make sure they're off their mobile by the end of this. Do you know what I mean? It's that. Oh, I can't wait. I just can't wait. Just It'll be just a joy, like live theatre, on my word. Like, we need it. We need it so much. And oh, yeah. that's what I was going to ask you about as well. Like, you know, the extensive TV work you've done and then equally in, in theatre. Is there a moment where you're doing TV and you're like, I really need to get back to the theatre? And then you're on stage and going, so next. I would like to, do th- you know, is there that push and pull between the two? Because I guess they're very different worlds in a lot of ways. Yeah, and when we were doing Balamore, it was the longest time because that was four years. We never knew. We, we just went from season to season with that. Um, so in between that, I was really conscious of it and I was lucky enough to get asked to do a couple of plays so I could do the both. And then coming away from your sort of wee telly family that you've created and then going back into theatre, it was quite scary because you go, oh my God, like being in a play... Um, you know, and you don't know a lot of people, but you, you know the work and stuff, and then you're in that world again. I don't know, it's so funny, because we've been doing, um, I'm doing a show called Scott Squad just now, Yeah. Uh, with my, my partner Louise McCarthy and that, and that season we just did there was my favourite that we've done, because we've not been doing a lot of theatre, apart from online stuff, I loved it. That felt like a play, that one. God knows what it was going to be like with the telly, by the way. I was just totally going for it. We got to do a lot of fun stuff this time because we piped up and said, please, can we do some more fun stuff? Because we're quite serious the last time. So we're doing a lot of undercover stuff. And I swear to God, Lisa, it sounds a bit wanky, but I said to Louise when they cut a couple of times, I went, I totally forgot what we were on camera there. Like, I felt like we were in a play. And because she's so brilliant on stage, she's brilliant on camera, don't get me wrong, but we don't, a lot of our stuff's quite to the camera all the time. This was just us fanning about, like, <laughs> like Hagney and Lacey, like, dressing up and getting in and doing stupid voices and just being indulged a wee bit, to be honest. And then we would come back and be these detectives. So hopefully it'll win the show. They might go, like, ah, this is garbage. But that, to me, was the nearest time. When I'm on camera and I can forget I'm on camera, it's like in the theatre. Do you know what I mean? You get those moments on stage and that sounds really weird. But you know what I mean? When you're having a great show... And it's just that feeling. Oh, there's nothing like it. Do you know I mean you just clock eyes with somebody on stage, or you know, in that moment, you're just like, "This is mad that we get to do this." I know, and it is, and it sounds like, and it's weird because the older you get, the better it gets. Genuinely, the only thing that's the downside is of going on stage is you get more nervous. <laughs> and I'm friends with Juliet Cadzo, but she's always really honest with me, and I always say to her. She did a play not long ago and she was like, oh my darling, I was dying. I went, you always say that. She was like, but she did say the nerves get worse. And I'm worried about that the older I get. Not so much on camera because you can always get another take. Walking out and going, hiya boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. 
podcast, you were nervous about that and look at you now. Well, I think you just always find something to say, don't you? Yeah, I, you said about getting older. Like, I definitely feel that too, like, nervous-wise. Like, even, like, walking into new jobs, I'm like, I think I was more gallus mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I'm like, how is that? Because you're more experienced. Like, you've done hundreds of things. Like, why are you worrying? But then I think that's probably what it is. Because you're, yeah. you've got all that stuff on top of it and all that overthinking. <laughs> but then, yeah, at least we're honest about going, we still get nervous. But you've still, what you said earlier is right. It resonates because you've still got these tools now without giving it action solve this that you go I okay I'm still nervous but remember when I felt like this and that you just pull on something don't you just to get you you get by it but I still get nervous at the first day read through and stuff like that I was even nervous in those auditions and I don't know why they were laughing at me I was like because I feel for them coming in it's so scary and I hate having to audition on camera even oh god so many people are loving it I'm hating it I can't this is the self-tape malarkey that you need can't bear it can't bear it and the agent gets annoyed because I'm just like, I get it. You don't have to go on a train now to London. Woohoo, that's great. But see the whole setting up and all that. <laughs> Greg usually reads in me, see the amount of time we fight. I'm like, for God's sake. Or the door goes, or Chevy comes on, can I go sandwich? And I'm just like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> 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 <My> work. <laughs> Try to get a job in Shetland or something. Greg's like, you've missed out a bit. And I'm like, so what? Or you said and instead of button. I'm like, no, take yes. <laughs> Just then take two, that'll be fine. Oh, God. And they always tell you to watch it back. Like, I right? I can hardly even bear watching myself on the telly and sitting through. One of my pals I met, and she's an amazing actress, Gabe Quigley. Oh, she's fantastic right now. I met her and Kathy, but she put the fear of God in me. And she's been hitting these, um, you know, self-tapes really, really, like getting good jobs off of my ma. Please help me. What do you do? And she's like that. Well, sometimes when uh, her wee boy is at school, she's like that. Sometimes I'll do about... 25 takes and I went <laughs> after two that's it she goes oh no Jules and then I watch it back and then I edit it and I was like ah so there is an art to it that I'm clearly not doing and I'm like I can't even watch and she was quite strict me she's like you've got to watch it back and I'm like that nah I hear you I had to do a couple of things online like and, and record them and I was just like why do you look like that? Why are you saying that like that? Why is your face doing that? Why are you sitting like that? No. Do you ever do that thing and watch on how, like these videos and how you do it? And I'm like, mine have never looked like that. And there's all these really confident 20-year-olds like that. And then you see them in their chat. I'm like, she's absolutely brilliant. I've got no chance. I need to get in the room, old school, with a casting director. And I do miss them. And that can be where they know you're a bit nervous and they'll talk to you. And, you know, you prepped your scene, you've done your homework, and then you do it a couple of times. But I love them directing me before you maybe are lucky enough to meet the director and producer because I miss them. I, I miss them because they'll go, they'll stop and go, right, Joe's trying like this, but see that wee bit there. And I take that on board and hopefully do it. You see, because they want you to get the job at the end of the day. And then you have a bit of banter chat and you go, might have been a bit shy at the audition, but I think we could. I'm a nice person. But that's so true. Like, you, you're such a people person, clearly. Do you know I mean, you thrive on that energy of being in the room with other people. But it's also the craft. Like, you're like, I like to be in the room doing the thing and making mistakes and fixing it and tweaking it and, and getting it just right. And, and, and then everybody in the room's going, aye, that's it. Yeah. yeah the self tape thing just seems very sanitized and, and very lonely. Yeah. I'll have my first, I'll be first in the queue for any casting directors to go, do you want to come into the room? I'll be like, please, yes, I'll be there. Like, I miss that, like, getting nervous if you got one in Edinburgh or something, going in the train and looking at your thing and walking down the street and going right in you go and you say hi and how your family and all this. And then you start. That bit of our job's been taken away, and I get it, there's a pandemic, but you go, 
send the tape in, there's no feedback, there's nothing, there's, you didn't they get it, like, do you know what I mean? And they're, they're doing this new thing where you apparently get a bit of feedback. You don't, it's not the same. And you don't know who's watching it. That's the thing for me. It's like, who is watching this? Is it some wee guy in an office? Is it the director? Is it the producer? Do you know what I mean? You're not even getting a chance at that. And then additioning on Zoom, oh, Lisa. No thanks. <laughs> no, horrible. Even if my hands are shaking and my legs shaking, I don't care. I'd, I'd give that for getting in the room, gets in the room. And in terms of, so you obviously mentioned you have an agent and they'll, I guess, present stuff to you and go, do you want to go for this or whatever? But are there particular stories that you want to tell? Like, if you know, are there particular plays, particular projects that you're like, if that came up, I would jump at the chance? Yeah, sometimes, like, I used to be a bit shy. Like, if you'd hear something was happening and you weren't up for it, like, nowadays I don't give a rat. So I would go, that thing's happening. Is there any chance you can find out about it or stuff like that? And I'm partial to send an email. I'm not shy about that at all. And you kind of learn as you get older, a good thing to pass on is don't take it personally if you don't get seen because there's nothing in it for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, in the past, you're like, oh, my God, and she's getting seen, and I'm not. And you go, wait a minute. And then if you're on the other side of it, you, you do, you go, there's nothing in this for Lisa. We love her, but there's no Lisa part here. Do you know what I mean? Or totally. And sometimes somebody will take a wee chance if you do send a wee cheeky email or something like that and go in or, you know what I mean? Uh, but no, not really. It's like a lot of the time, well, I'm getting older, so I'm, I'm writing as well. I, I've been writing a thing with Louise and Greg, and we've sort of been working on that ourselves, which Amazing. put that out there and then nothing will happen. But you know that way we've got a wee commission and you get a wee bit of confidence and go, these are the things I'd like to do. I'm going to try and put it into a script. Do you know what I mean? And That's amazing. Well, the more you read about people that are older, loads of people do it. Do you know what I mean? Even the Sarah Lancashire's out there and stuff like that. They're not all sitting in the house. We all think we're big piles of sticks. I'm sure she is, to be fair. That's a very bad example. But trying to create a bit of work for yourself, trying to create a bit of control, definitely is happening when you get older because you're just sitting waiting for a phone call that isn't going to come do you know what I mean and then when the small time we've spent in America they all do it they're all doing um, writing courses and doing stuff like that they're not all just acting all the time and that's yeah. took me a wee while to go oh I can't write I can't write I still probably can write but at least I'm having a go to there and going do you know what here's a part that I'd love to play and we're going to put down the paper and see what happens. Of course, like why not? Do you know what I mean? Like you say, it's like if you're not, you know, if you don't try, you're never going to know. Do you know what I mean? And it's the yeah. process of that as well, like collaborating with other people. Like you're going to enjoy it, whether or not something comes out of it. It's like just enjoy the process of it. Yeah, and and the laughing you have and stuff, and when you're writing with the right people, it seems to be easy. And it's so weird because you hear people talking about it it just comes out of you it's coming out of you and then you think about it all the time and then you go what about this and we could try that and again it's like working with the right folk that support you working with a lovely producer who's just like yep yep try this and don't get me wrong I know it's can be brutal but at the same time you go oh she's right that's so right let's try it this way and that way and stuff so it's good it's nice and that would be a real thrill Greg's done it before. He's obviously wrote things and performed in it. I've never done that. I've had a say in certain comedy horror things that we've made together. But this would be your baby, if you like, to go, by the way, it's a redneck. Julian Louise needs to play these parts. You know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of risk in a chance. And then they'll go, oh, what about somebody else? And you go, no, that's not you. That has to be. So if something happened with that, that'd be really exciting. But, um, no, the agent's great because... They kind of obviously their job is to nosy about for stuff that you can do, but 
they also get the fact that you're not going to go off and do something that you don't really want to do or something not suited yeah. to. But I like doing things when I'm greeting in it as well. I love comedy. That's my first and foremost. But mm. I quite like serious stuff. I'd love to be in like a Ken Loach film when I'm greeting and all that. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's, it's not wanting to be pigeonholed into a particular genre as well, I guess. Because, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, you have this skill set, you have many interests. You want to challenge yourself as well. If you have been doing loads of comedy, I guess it's like, or, you know, you've been doing children's TV. You're like, no, no, give me something else. Give me something a bit different. Yeah, I creep myself out, and it's a weird thing in our house because I'll go dark, I'll go really dark. Like, it's like, just get that off, like, real true crime documentaries, weirdo, and I'm into it. And then I'll be like a really, really dark drama, you know, The Handmaid's Tale, bring it on. That's like your dream job. And then the next minute, glow about the wrestling team's also my dream job. So, do you know what I mean? I feel that's exciting. I feel like, that makes you feel versatile and also you go, well, you don't want to just be this one thing. Why are we Why are we always doing that with everybody? I've heard it with, you know, loads of people over the years, people that are good at comedy, they can't do serious acting. And it's such bullshit. I think comedy acting is so difficult to get right. It's really hard and it's still dismissed, even at the Oscars, right, which I love. But you go, why is there not big comedy films up there? Like, why is, why is Will Ferrell not won an Oscar, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he hasn't, eh? Do you know what I mean? But, you know, and Kirsten Wigg and all this, like, keep them for the kind of introducing funny things. They're amazing actors as well. Like, they are. They're really, like, and they can do it all. Do you know what I mean? So that, to me, is really exciting when somebody can do all of those things. You were just making me think about that label sometimes that you put on people or you put on yourself. You know, I've had this conversation a couple of times in the podcast, like, what do you do? And you feel like you're like, well, I do this. And that. You know, you have to pick one thing, you know, I write and I also act and, you know, and I also have a podcast. And there's like some sort of, I don't know, personally for me, a bit of shame attached to like that multi-hyphenate thing. And you're like, no, 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 that's a good thing. It's not like I was indecisive. I just like lots of things. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I was younger, um, I overheard a conversation that wasn't very nice about a, a Scottish actress and go, she does this and she does that. And why can't she just stick to the one thing? And that, I don't even know this actress that well, but I remember actually piping up and going, why does she have to stick to the one thing? What is what is she doing that's annoying you? Being good at lots of things. Oh. Yeah, she's pretty good from where I'm sitting at that and this and that and that. And that's bugging you. And I do think genuinely it does bug people. They like it and this is terrible. But I do think even nowadays people go, Lisa does that, Jules does that. And then if you start doing something, oh, she's going on about that now. Or like politics, for example, like I used to be really shy about speaking up about um, being passionate about yes and independence and SNP. And now I generally don't give her that's arse. If you, again, don't like it, you can talk to me about it. I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. But I used to feel a bit embarrassed feeling strong about that and, 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 and wanting to talk about it and engaging in it. And now I go, well, no, because that's part of who I am. I'm not going to shy away from it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in talking to anybody about any type of politics. And I feel a responsibility to the boys to be vocal about politics and be passionate about politics. And Well, politics affects everything. Well, definitely in the whole climate change thing and COP and all that happened here and having an opinion on that. And I grew up in a really strong socialist Labour household with my mum and dad. And we talked about that stuff all the time. And I remember being at a Hindu a few years ago and um, somebody who was there who I really liked and it came up, the referendum came up and we just lost it. And, you know, it's still raw for a lot of people. And I hadn't even brought it up. Somebody else at the table brought it up. 
And this friend of a friend was like, we can't talk about politics at this table. We're not doing it. And I was like, so annoyed. I was like, I'm being muzzled here. By the way, I didn't even bring it up. And I was like, wow. And that was it. We don't, we're not talking about politics or religion. And I was like, oh. And it doesn't need to be a negative conversation. And that exactly what this other girl was saying was really positive. She was telling me about her experience and she changed her vote and all this. And I was like, oh my God, what else are we going to be talking about then? I already right, still going to have a riot in the hen night. Calm down. But that <laughs> feeling of like, we are not allowed to talk about that. And I was like, we're not babies. We should be able to talk about what we want to talk about. We're not offending anybody. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, you're a multifaceted that. person with lots of interests. Like, you yeah. know, and, and that's what I don't want for this podcast either. Although it is about people and their passions. Like, that's if you're passionate about that, I want you to speak about it. I'm not going to be like, could you just talk about the nice acting things? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, and it, obviously things are your drivers at different points in your life. Or, you know, next week if we did this conversation, it might be completely different because yeah. there might be something at the forefront of your brain that's like, this is really important to me today. Yeah. You know, but that, that's fine. I mean, it is only one conversation, but it's important like that, yeah, you are a multifaceted person. You have lots of interests, lots of things drive you. Yeah. And you shouldn't be telling people that they can't talk about politics and religion right. again. We should be talking more. Clearly, yeah. that's why there's so much like division. I think I took it so bad because it's from another woman. That's terrible looking mm. a guy, but that fair okay, enough. But there's the fact there's a woman who I really like as well. I was like, wow, okay, no, don't do that. It's naughty, and it's also like that girl was only wanting to speak. It was actually me and her that were talking. It wasn't for the whole table. Do you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh my god, we're being silenced now. I had to come out of my mood quite quickly, Lisa. <laughs> and back into him party mode. Playing the games and that. Aha, let's get the wee, the wee um, toy willies out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and is is that the reason why you then started a podcast? So you would not be silenced and you could talk about all the things that you're passionate about? Um, it was weird because we were in America at the time. It was all a wee bit disjointed. And I was sitting um, watching the telly one day. The boys were at school, I think. And it was weird. It was a Reese Witherspoon programme. It was called Shine On, right? I love Reese Witherspoon. I love everything about her and I love what she stands for. And I was like, I'm going to watch this. I bet she's great. You never really see Reese interviewing people. And she was magic. And it wasn't just all like the people in the arts. She was interviewing like fire women and all this kind of stuff. And a woman that was in the army really high up. And she was just great at blathering with them. And I was like, oh my God, we don't really have that here. Uh, the original idea was to do it on the telly, to be absolutely honest with you. Mm-hmm. And when we came back, sort of put this idea about it and it never really got anywhere and they were a bit nervous at just being me doing it and all this kind of stuff. And then I met gorgeous Tony and Jim at Solace Sounds and, and Rowan. And we just sat down one day and we were like, well, why don't we do a podcast? And they weren't doing podcasts at the time. And we were totally clueless. And yours was brought up in a list of ones that we liked. And we all went away and sort of went, what about this? And I did feel a wee bit nervous, Lisa, that it's only women. I feel like a wee bit excluding at that. But I do say it in my intro. I feel like men have been talking for enough for me, right? <laughs> and I do listen to the guys on yours. But for me, I kind of stole Reese's idea that it was just women. It's quite a struggle sometimes. You know yourself getting different people to come on. But that was always the thing for me. And the fact that, and I've said it on the podcast, my niece's I was looking through their Instagrams one day and it was all American women that they followed. And I was like, where's the Scottish women? Where's the Scotty dogs? And they were like, what do you mean, Auntie Jules? And I was like, do you know her? Do you know her? Nah, nah, nah. And I went, I'm putting a stop to this. So I said, right, I'm going to come up with this idea where you can get inspired by Scottish women. We say they live and work in Scotland. Not all of them do. It's good if they do. 
but or they wouldn't have came back or whatever. But for me, celebrate these women that are living and working on our doorstep and they've all got these stories. I mean, I love it. I'm such a fangirl. Like, I'm there. I've listened to every episode. I think you're a total natural. And the conversations that you've had have just been so wonderful and so eye-opening and I've learned things about you know people that obviously are in the public eye but then the, the conversation that you had with that amazing uh, midwife like oh, Emily Smith I didn't want it to end there was just so much information that I just didn't know you know I've got lots of friends that have had children you know I've not had children myself but yeah like really in-depth and that's what I like about podcasting because it's that long form you, it's not just like a quick five yes. minutes with somebody you do get to sit down and have that honest conversation and I think it's brilliant and she was is like the podcast to listen to for sure oh that's so sweet but there you go it's like she my friend emily smith that midwife episode you're talking about did not that she didn't want to come on i, I sat and told about it and she was immediately like no jules i've got nothing to say and all this kind of stuff and because i've known her for so long and i went please you've got so much to say and also without kind of putting an arm up her back going if we can help one woman one young woman through that horrible time from your knowledge and talking about it, then that that would be amazing. And actually, originally, Lisa, she was going to come on and talk about the rest of her life, not just her career. She's got such an amazing life that she's had, but all different really bad things have happened to her. And she was going to talk about that originally. And when we were in the studio, when she started talking about her job, her face lit up mm. and she was gone. And it was like she was lost in this world to talk about it. And after we recorded out, I'd say to her, that you've missed out, do you want to go back and talk about something else? And she was like, I can't believe how much I love my work. Like, it was just, and it was nice that that was what it was about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I went, well, we'll just need to get you back on and we can talk about a lot of things. And honestly, I can say this and it's nothing to do with me. It was all her. See the feedback we've had from that episode. Well, I messaged you then then because I was like, you will be absolutely, undoubtedly helping somebody, if not many people, like you were saying in the episode, that can still be quite a taboo subject, miscarriage and yeah. and it you know and people not opening up and for obvious reasons but yeah just for somebody to say I, I get where you're come from I've been there like I think that must be just such such a help to so many and yeah it, it was that long form conversation to get in-depth knowledge about somebody who works in that world and somebody who's gone through it yeah I mean kudos to the both of you I thought it was an excellent excellent episode and oh, just thank you so keep much. doing it and like that's the joy I guess for you as well it's your thing you get to see how it goes you just went with that conversation nobody was curating that and telling you what to say and that's the joy of podcasting yeah and we make up questions and all this kind of stuff and I never looked at it once with her because not that I've had to have a kick before, but do you know what I mean? Going, oh, what we're we going to say next? And sometimes you'll be maybe the same, or we're going to dry up. And you know, it's that kind of thing. But she just went, and it was like watching somebody just flying and going, she knows her stuff. She doesn't need me. Do you know what I mean? She's off. And it was great because for me, I feel really strongly about that. It's like supporting women. And, and, and it makes me think of when we first got cast in Scott Squad. And it was, um, we were trying to find a partner for me and um, they got different, brilliant different women to come in and audition and stuff like that. And I was always pushing, it was like, maybe they don't like each other. And I was like, why are we going down the route of they don't like each other? Like, please, can we not do that? For me, I was like, what would be funny? And also, I can name on my fingers two people, two women that have maybe not got on my entire career. Women support women. Women look after each other. 
you don't need to be mums. You just get each other. We get each other. Do you know what I mean? Yes. We're behind each other all the time. Please, can we have characters on the telly that are like that? Give us that. And I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso, Lisa? No. You need to watch it. It's okay. Football thing, right? Which sounds, if you don't like football, it's on Apple TV. You might be able to get it on something else. And there's two female characters in that. And this girl's called Juno that plays one of them. And I was reading an interview with her and I was like, that's me, Louise. And when she first went in, um, she's playing off a character that's a football manager. She's a woman. And this woman's quite hard to crack and stuff. And anyway, without doing the show, they become amazing friends. They're very different. And they support each other. And she's one the football manager's a bit older. And they bring out the best in each other. And I'm like, that's exciting television for me. Yes. The women that get on, okay, not all the time. They can have wee tiffs, but it's not on screen enough. Supporting each other, like Cagney and Lacey, couldn't get two, that's me showing my age, two different women. But yet, see, at the end of the day, they die for each other. They have each other's backs. They're brilliant in their jobs. That was the thing. And I was in the beginning going, why did they need to be? Because at one point there was somebody came in and auditioned and she was quite rude and stuff. And I was like, I just sack her. She's just cheeky. I was like, this is the market. <laughs> what is, you know what I mean? Whereas somebody like Louise comes in and the door's open all the time. She's just so given and she goes oh. in, you know, that's what, that's what you want. And I feel like that about the podcast. It's like, just shine a light on these brilliant, brilliant women. The only thing out of the podcast that I hate is my vocabulary is very limited. <laughs> Away. You know, when you hear it back and you go, stop saying amazing. But I can't help it. I'm your pal. That's how I edit mine because I'm like, all the 99% of the editing is just taking my waffling out. I'm like, why are you still talking? Nobody came here for you. <laughs> That's me. I'm like, cut that back. Wow. But I can't help it, especially if it's somebody that I'm like absolutely in awe of. And we did a pilot with Daniela Nardini, who's so lovely, but I don't know her. And it was remotely done because I was up in Ely and it was locked down. And I was really, really scared. And I'm like, that for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, amazing, amazing. But then I hear it back and all I hear is my crap responses to what she's just learning to not all of that. Yeah, I've done it in the, I've done it in this conversation. Like I started saying something and then I just had no words. And I was like, <laughs> I've not frozen. I'm just trying to think of the next words. The more you do it, yeah, it does get easier to point. But I still make those mistakes and I still get into a space where I'm like, find another adjective other than incredible or whatever it is. I or I fix it in one word, I just keep saying the word curate and I'm like <laughs> You keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it probably, we'll probably all do it, and sometimes it'll be like somebody that's on, and then I'll say that word that they're saying. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I mean, everybody always says to me when I send them the edit, they're like, why do I say mm or aha uh-huh or um? And I'm like, because that's just the way we speak, and that's how I want you to be on the podcast. I don't want you to like filter yourself, or you know. Yes. Although I will filter me, but I'll not filter you. <laughs> No, see, there you go. We're just tough on ourselves. Yes. Every day we're trying to do a nice thing and get these voices out there, and then we're still like whipping ourselves, like, oh my god, you're so thick. Shut up. It's so, <laughs> it's so true. Why do we do that? That's why we need more people like champion other people because we're like, yes, like, you know, if you can't champion yourself, at least champion other people, and maybe that will kind of rub off in you eventually. And you'll be nice to yourself. Absolutely. Give yourself a fucking break. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. But no, Julia, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I hope that you continue to do it. Like, please don't stop doing the podcast because it's awesome. Oh, I hope so. Well, the aim is to do six and we're all, we've got um, one more to go and then there'll be six out on that platform and, and then our wee pilot. And then hopefully we'll do, just do it in blocks like that. So the right. fact that we've done that, we're just all like, 
laughing and we're all high-fiving each other. Remember when we were sitting in that cafe talking about it? It's like anything, isn't it? You'd be the same with yours and then you've done it and you go, oh my God, it's like... I know. I mean, it totally kept me going, especially last year on lockdown. Yeah. So I was like, so now I can't do my job, great. And now I can't do the podcast in real life. Brilliant, thanks very much. And then I was like, oh, well, I just need to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I love it so much, you know, and it does... Does it doesn't make me any money, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I absolutely love it. I love having good. conversations with good people who are passionate about whatever it is they do. And I've met so many amazing people through it and been introduced to different worlds that I never would have been introduced to. And just, yeah, like opens your eyes and just makes you think about bigger and better about the world. The world's a good place. Like, mostly it's a great place and there's, it's filled with people who are great. It is, and I think as well, if there's anything coming out of lockdown, the sense of hope and going, look what he's up to her, she's up to her. Do you know what I mean? Just that feeling of, oh, we're so lucky without sounding American and blessed, they always say there. But they say it for a reason because we are, there's so much stuff like, you know, going on about the, the wild swimming and men's scams, look at this mongrel, that's all I ever talk about. But it's because it's free and it's there, and as long as you're safe, it's for everybody, it's not exclusive, it's like, do something that makes you feel good because life's pretty bloody hard sometimes, let's be honest. The shit hits the fan for everybody, touch wood, not all at one time, but most people buy 49, I've seen quite a lot of shite. <laughs> so you go, you have to have these things to make yourself feel better and whatever that is that you need to do, then do it. And if you can be passionate about it and, you know, I'll never slag anyone off for putting a, a picture of their dinner on Instagram again. I'm like, see if that makes that person happy. Good luck to them. That's a lovely dinner. That's smashing. Good for you. <laughs> no, but like, I love seeing your wee face on your Instagram when you're in the water because you just, you do genuinely look like pure chuffed bits to be oh. there. And I'm like, I mean, it looks absolutely freezing, but you look like you're having just the loveliest time. Oh, I was the chuffed bits this morning. We are in Lock Woman this morning and Greg was really, he's a bit stressed now. And I was like, right, let's go. We've got half an hour. Come on, we'll go. And I was really behind like that. Oh, and even Bonnie, she was in this. Normally she comes in for a bit, and she was like that. No, and it was really. Mm-hmm. And then they come out, and then, then I got the buzz after it when I'm out and you're drying off. And, oh, it's just great. It's totally changed my life, and I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've got like into a cult with swimming or something because I call it dipping. It's not really swimming, but it was only through my lovely friend Dawn Steele, and she started doing it um, during the lockdown, and I was nosing into what are you doing and all that. And, uh, honestly, and now I couldn't be without it. If I don't get it now, I'm already worried to get into rehearsals going, how am I going to work my dips? This is a nightmare. Kenny, what time are finishing up? I got that lot before it gets too dark. <laughs> <laughs> but that's important, yeah. You find something that's like, that. you know, you're going to make time for that. And I think that's really important as well. Do you know I mean, aside from like, you know, you love your work and all the rest of it, but uh, you kind of beat your work all the time. You need to find these other things that spark joy, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I just think anything to make you feel better and make your body feel better and there's just something so great about it. And, you know, you can do it. You can do it in your swimming pool. Most places have one of those cold pools. Just jump in there and try and in your shower or whatever. And anybody that I know that's gave it a go has really enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? And we're lucky enough to be by the water a lot of the time up by the coast, so we're straight in. But there's just something about it. I can't even describe it. It's just... It's just magical. That it is it's just magical. I'm a mermaid now. It's great. I'm getting my kicks from the water. That's good. It's healthier. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Now, Julie, I do a thing on the podcast called the Hingamajigs, and I wondered if you would be so kind to indulge me in a few of these random questions. I'm actually getting a buzz at the hing. I'm <laughs> Yes, of course. Okay, I'm going to just pick them at random. Um... If you were to receive a Oscar, Emmy, Olivier, Tony Award, because obviously, you know, 
I'm saying if, but like we'll just say when, of course. Um, who would you want to present it to you? <gasps> oh, that's exciting. I would say Tilda Swinton. Good one. Because I met her when we were doing Tutti Fruity when she was still with John Byrne, and I just love her, and she's one of the nicest people that I've ever met. And I just know she would give me the biggest cuddle and I would be nervous to have to go on a big stage like that if it was like to see the Emmys or something like that. And I just know she'd be giving me a big cuddle. And she's like a warrior woman. I would that would be her. Yes, please. Good answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um obviously there there has been and is a lot of laughter in your life, but who or what is guaranteed to make you laugh? Oh, this is really cheesy, but it's Greg. He's the funniest person that I've ever met, and um, you'll hate this. But what you me for? But honest to God, you know, the last few years have been a wee bit traumatic for us. We've all different shit things happened to us, and yet we always laugh. Like we, honest to God, he makes me even when I'm annoyed and when he's doing my nothing, he'll just really make me laugh. He makes me die laughing. Greg, yeah, definitely. Look at that book. If you could be a fly on a wall in any room at any time, what? Where would you be? Ooh, I like that. I would be. I would be in with um, what do you call it? Wes Anderson when he's in his room doing something creative. And how he comes up with all the stuff, I would love to hear how he worked. I know somebody was editing on a film and he said, you have to really concentrate because you're just staring at him because he's a total genius. I'm a wee bit obsessed with him. So if he was in some sort of creative room or in an edit or something, I would love to be. I'd just love to hear him chatting. And I want to know what like Wes Anderson has in a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're so good at this. <laughs> um, what would your teenage self say if they could see you now? Oh, gosh. Well, my teenage self had a brace and a perm. <laughs> there was a bit of panic going on. <laughs> no, it was not as beautiful as your perm, Lisa. Mine was done by my friend at Hairdressing College. It was an acid-type granny's thinking of eggs perm. <laughs> I think I would tell her to stop worrying. I'm still a bit of a wart, worry wart. But I think then I was like, I'm different. I don't know how this is all going to work out for me. Um. I was never like, you know, the, the good looking girls at school and all that. I was never in that gang with a nice hair. I was a bit of a weirdo. And I think I would just tell her to not worry. It's going to be all right. That's what I would tell her. You literally just described my life. <laughs> Aye. So, and I, I'm still telling myself not to worry, but it's, it's, it's not working yet. So I'll just take your advice. I'll just say, Julie says I've not to worry. Because I get bullied a wee bit at school because I'd like really sticking out ears. I've still got them. And that kind of way where, you know, when you're just a bit, you were into drama and it was just a bit weird. And it wasn't like unbearable, but I think when you're different, you just think, this how's how's life going to work out for me like that? So I think if I could go back and tell her that, just cool it. Especially walking home from school, even like when I tried smoking and stuff, like that, I couldn't do it properly. Like <laughs> <laughs> just don't worry and keep laughing, and you're going to be all right, isn't it? Oh, I wish I was pals at school. We had we were hanging about with you, in the corner making a weirdy play about something. <laughs> oh 
Julie, this has been an absolute joy. I could do it again. But as you'll know, because you're an avid listener of the podcast, which I can't believe and I'm so appreciative. What is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Now, you'll have heard this is hard. Oh, I've changed it about 20 times, but I keep coming back to my stock answer and it's Gleekit. Yeah. <laughs> because when I heard that word, I went, oh, it really touched me because I was like, I know when I'm concentrating, I get told by a director once when I was getting notes that obviously your listeners can't see my face, but apparently this is my face and I'm getting notes. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth's hanging open and I'm kind of going and it's not like I can't take a note always take a note take the note work the note but I'm a I don't even know I'm doing it and I'm totally like it and one time Greg took a picture because he was describing something to me when he was directing he went you're doing that face and I went take my photo and, and he's sat and I'm going <laughs> and I'm like it like and I don't think it's I like it so much I like it in my mouth and I like seeing it out because I don't think it's like rude if somebody said to me maybe if i said to somebody else to be offended but i'd go yeah i know i'm being like then it's not yes. i'm not quite getting the whole thing that you're saying to me. <laughs> i'm taking a wee moment to go right it's glakedness so you would hate it if you had to choreograph me right because i'll put my hand up and say i'm the last person to get the dance routine right it's fine and i say i set my stall out early and when they video you they send it back and i'm doing a flaky face i'm fine and i'm all confident and i'm doing this and i'm here and i go and then i'll go is it the hands now and i go oh my god i need to get rid of that glaky face before performance <laughs> I need to go. Uh-huh. well i love your glaky face <laughs> I think it's amazing and I can't believe your glicket face has been on my podcast although obviously nobody can see us but it's been a total joy I wish we'd been in the same room but it, this has just been an absolute pleasure Julie I can't oh, thank you enough not at all it's been a joy and I'm even having a hot flush beside this Aga here and I don't even care it's worth it <laughs> you heard it here first in the brown the brain. I can't wait to properly be in a room with you again though that's the thing Yes. yes, and of course I will put all the links in the show notes so everybody can find your amazing podcast. Um, you know, you're now in the clan, Julie, so anything you're doing, you know, we're just going to be letting everybody know what's happening because, it, you know, it's always done with pure joy. Everything you do, pure okay. joy and excellence. And I'm totally, truly honoured that you've done this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it's straight back at you, Lisa. Honestly, I'm so excited. It's just like, I'm in the clan. Yeah, you're in the clan. Thanks for having me in the clan. It's been a joy. A joy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.